This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right. Thank you. Good morning. Good to see you guys out here on Memorial Day weekend. I'm glad you made God priority here today. Listen, if you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand up real high. I would like for you to have a Bible in your hand. I believe it's very important that you begin to see the, the truths of the Word of God for yourself and You'll probably hear me uh, reference that a little bit more this morning. Once you get your Bible, go with me to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15, and that's what we just read, but we'll go over it together. Just the thought again here for you that the Lord's put on my heart. You know, there in um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. And the good he's talking about is don't grow weary in obeying the God, in the Word of God. Don't grow weary in doing it. Even though some of you are in very difficult situations, he said that you'll reap if you faint not. If you don't quit, if you'll just keep doing what's good. And, you know, in the 91st Psalm, it says, only with your eyes will you see the reward of the wicked. And so there's ones that have wronged you, and not that our prayer is that we see the reward of the wicked, but when the wicked live ungodly, their life will begin to unravel. And you will see it so purpose in your heart. I'm, I'm going to obey you, Lord. I'm going to continue doing what's right, what's good. Okay. First Samuel 15. Let me begin right here, and we'll read verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. The New Living says rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. The message says not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. So just think a little bit about here what he's saying. And when we look at the word witchcraft, the goal of witchcraft is to influence you negatively or to control you. And so when he tells me this, that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, when I continually give myself over to rebellion, understand that that form of rebellion is going to influence your life. Ultimately, it's going to control you. Now, I believe this is Christians born again Christians, none of us would willingly or knowingly give ourselves to witchcraft. But when I get over and I live in rebellion, it's as if I've given myself to the very influence or control of witchcraft. Now, it's interesting his words there. Keep reading with me here this verse. And stubbornness as is iniquity and idolatry. Now, I just will tell you this, probably in three weeks, maybe four We'll begin to study on the lines of iniquity, generational iniquities, generational curses. And we'll go over that, and I, I believe it'll help you. It'll set you free, even in my own life. That's some generational stuff that took place. But that's in a few weeks. Now, if you'll note in there, the two main ingredients to the downfall of King Saul was rebellion and stubbornness toward the things of God. Toward the commands of God. How do we know that? Well, look how he ends. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. And so it all came to this. That he rebelled against the word of God. And he was stubborn in the way he he, uh, obeyed God. Every time I do that. I'm going to get in trouble. And and you're going to get in trouble. Now go with me to the book of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And as you're turning there. The, the more I rebel against the things of God, 
the, the more I give control or influence over to sin, no matter who you are, and people are slaves to whatever controls them. Whatever controls you becomes your slave. And you say, well, how's that? Well, right here in the Bible, begin in Romans 6, verse 15, and watch what this says here. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Now, you know as well as I do, there's a lot of teachings out there right now that says you, you can live however you want because of the grace of God. Well, once again, the grace of God is not a license for me to sin. The grace of God is there to help me to keep me from sinning. And he says, certainly not. So do you endorse sin? No, I don't endorse sin. And you'll see why I say that for every one of us. He goes on to say, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey? Note in there that he said, whom you choose to obey. That tells me every one of us in this room have a choice. You choose whom you're going to obey. And he goes on to say, if it's sin, it leads to death. Or of obedience leading to righteousness. So if sin is my master, then I take on a death-like existence. If righteousness or obedience to God is my master, then I get to live life. Now, it's interesting that he uses all these terminologies here because I'm going to experience one or the other. And it all comes down to my choice. Verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you were, you used to be, yet you obeyed from the heart. You responded from the heart. You submitted from your heart without reservation. What did I obey from the heart? This form or that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. What form of doctrine? The Word of God. And when I begin to obey the Word of God, there will be a delivering in my life from any form of sin. How do you know that? Well, in in John 8, 31 and 32, it says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll know the Word of God and when you live by the Word of God, it'll set you free. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now, I want you to listen to that first uh, three, four verses in the message translation. It says, so since you were out from the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experiences that there are some acts of your so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you started listening to a new master, one whose command set you free to live openly in his freedom. I can tell you in my own life that sin was my master at one time. And that's what I listened to. And what I choose to listen to is what I'm going to obey. But when I give my heart to Jesus, I have a new master. And even in that sense, I'm not going to be perfect, but I need to strive to be perfect. So what does that look like? It's when I blow it as a human being and I repent. 
Lord, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to do those things. How many of you remember that before you got born again, when you sinned, it didn't bother you to sin? Didn't bother you a bit. It was me. I didn't think nothing about it. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, before I even sinned, the Holy Spirit will warn me. And after that, there's a convicting of my heart. Now look at the consequences of sin. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. The byproduct of sin is death. And sin starts out and sin is is first pleasing. Then it becomes easy. Then sin becomes delightful. And then sin becomes frequent. And then before long, sin becomes habitual. And if I don't ever repent from sin and turn from it, ultimately, sin will ruin me. Because my choice. Now, when you look at his words here, the wages of sin. Wages are something that's given to you after the work's done. So after you've uh, operated in sin, you're going to have a pension. You're going to be stipend. You're going to be given a a form of currency because of your choices to sin. And he said the wages of sin is death. But, I like the but, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Now sin works you. Righteousness will reward you. Righteousness will bless every one of us in this room. So when you begin to look at what he tells me in here. Every one of us have a choice. You're free to choose. Between living a life of sin. Or living a life of obedience. Which is righteousness to Christ Jesus. You're free to choose that. But you're not free to choose or alter the consequences of your choices. In other words, when I choose to live sinful, I'm not going to be blessed. And a lot of times we have the thought, I can live however I want and God's going to bless me. He's not going to bless you. Two things that are requirements of Christians. Number one, you learn to trust God. And number two, you learn to obey God. But anytime I talk about the blessings of God, the blessings of God are associated with obedience. When you obey the things of God, blessings are going to come. Where's that found biblically? That's Deuteronomy 28. Specifically, Deuteronomy 28 verse 1. That when I choose to obey Him, there's going to be a blessing. So think in this term right here. I'm not going to be blessed when I live in sin. God Does not bless sin. The wages of sin is death. It's not good. You want to see an example of this? Go with me to the book of uh, Genesis, chapter number 4. Genesis 4. Now, oftentimes, when we read the Bible, we look at the men and women in the Bible, and sometimes it's easy to judge them and say, man, how could they do those things? But this morning, I want you to put yourself in this story. Look at the way you obey to the way they obeyed or they disobeyed. And oftentimes as human beings, now this will locate you because I do this myself. Sometimes when I hear the word of God, you know what I think? I think, dang, that would be really good for Philip to hear today. 
It's easy to get over and think, man, they should hear this. They should hear this. But the real thing today is, do I hear? Because ultimately, the only one I'm going to be responsible is for me. I can't change anybody else. I'm only responsible for my choices. Now, we begin Genesis 4, verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, you can read that right there, and you'll get real quick that every one of us in this room, we were born onto this earth from a mother, okay? Every one of us. So the way Cain and the way Abel came into this earth, neither one was greater than the other. They had the same opportunities, just like me and you do. We have the same opportunities even with the thing called time. It's 24 hours in every day. Every one of us have the same amount of time. It all comes down to my choices. Now watch what happens here, verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, in this passage where it says Cain brought an offering to the Lord, it does not reference the quantity or the quality of what he brought. It just says he brought an offering. Verse 4. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now, let's read into this just here a little bit. I believe both of them knew that God expected an offering from them. Why do I say that? Because both of them brought one. The only difference I see between Cain's offering and Abel's offering was Abel brought his firstborn. You know what the firstborn represents? His best. His best. That's Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with thy firstfruits of all thy increase. And so Abel chose. He said, I'm going to bless you, Father God. I'm going to bring you my best. Now remember, both of them had the same opportunities here. So it comes down to this, a choice. Verse 5, but he, God, did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. He became depressed. He was angry. Why was he angry? Because God didn't receive his offering. Why did God not receive his offering? Because, number one, he was irresponsible. If you go back and look at this, Cain didn't offer God his best. So you know what it tells me? He just had half his heart into it. He said, you know what, Lord? I'll be lukewarm in this situation. I'll give you a little bit, but I won't give you my best. And then one of the things that really sticks out to me is in verse 3, it says, in the process of time, he brought his offering. You know what that tells me? That when Cain got around to it, or when it was convenient, he said, okay, Lord, I'll give you my offering. And so again, it wasn't his first. It wasn't his best. It was if, you know what, Lord? I'll do what I want to do. Verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? Why are you angry and why are you depressed? And this was a question the Lord asked him. Now, Here's the thought even on that. In the Proverbs, it's very clear that it says, who the Lord loves, he corrects. How do you respond when God corrects you, whether it's through his spirit or whether it's through the word of God? Do I get angry? 
When God corrects me, do I go into a state of depression? Do I live with a bunch of excuses? Do I play the blame game or do I rise up and say, okay, Father God, I welcome your correction because whom the Lord loves, he corrects just like a parent. I don't believe one parent in their right mind would not correct their children when they ride their bike in the middle of a freeway. Nah, just let him do what he wants. He'll be all right. He'll figure it out. No, you're going to correct him, but why? Because you love him. Well, that's the same thing with Father God. To whom he loves, he corrects. And so in this passage right here, he's trying to correct Cain. Now watch what happens, verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? Now the Lord right here in his correction to Cain, he's telling Cain, you can right your wrong. And you know what the solution is? Obey. Do what you know to do in your heart and let it be from your heart. And give me everything you got. And so right here the Lord was trying to help him. Keep reading verse 7. And if you do not do well. If you do not do what's right. Sin lies at the door. And it's sin's desire is for you. Sin's desire is to master you. But you should rule over it. Now right there, the Lord is telling Cain, listen buddy, you got two options. Sin lies at the door. And when I think about sin lies at the door, it's like sin is crouching, just waiting to pounce. But the only way that I give sin access or entry into my life is when I obey it. But he said something there. You should rule over it. You know what the Lord's telling us right there? You don't have to be dominated by sin. But it's going to become a choice. What's priority? Is the sin priority in your life or is obeying me priority? Verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother Abel. And he killed him. And he killed him. The progression of sin. And God right here, he gave Cain opportunity after opportunity to repent and do what's right. But instead of repentance, he operates with revenge. And basically here, he blames Abel for God not receiving his offering. And he kills him. The wages of sin is death right here. So when you begin to see all this that he's talking about here, I'm responsible for my actions. I'm responsible for my behavior and my choices. Just like Cain was right here. Now, if you would have been in Cain's life a year before he killed his brother, and you would have said, Cain, you know, next year about this time, you're going to kill your brother Abel. He would have laughed at you and said, you're crazy. I wouldn't do anything like that. But understand this, that when I rebel against the things of God, that rebellion begins to influence me. And ultimately, that, that, that rebellion will control me. Remember, 
rebellion was as the sin of witchcraft. And so you begin to see this play out right here in his life. Disobedience granted sin access to his life. And when I open the door up to sin, the wages of sin is death. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Do you not think God didn't know where his brother was? God knew. So why was God asking Cain, where's your brother at? You see the mercy of God again right here. God is giving Cain an opportunity to repent. Look at his response. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Once again, do you see how sin dominating? The wage of sin is death. And if you study Cain's life, he had a new title for his life. It was called a vagabond. That he lived in the wilderness. And when he lived in the wilderness, he never came back really to the things of God. The, the rebellion, the wages of sin, it began to dominate him, began to influence him. So he took no responsibility. He wanted God and he wanted Abel to live with responsibility, but he didn't want to take any responsibility. Now look with me in the book of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Remember, to be self-willed and to have the thought, I can live however you want, is rebellion. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And remember, witchcraft's goal is ultimately to control you or influence you. We see this play out. Now where we're going here in the book of Matthew... This is talking about the end times. And God gives us great guidelines for the end times. So I want you to see some of the things that the Lord Jesus said here. And we begin in Matthew 24, verse 3. Now, as Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of age? And Jesus answered and said to him, Take heed that no one deceives you or no one misleads you. For many, I like the word many, many will come in my name, meaning I'm a Christian, I'm born again. And they will say, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. So twice, real quick, we see him using the word deceive or misleading. Remember if we go back to the first question they ask him, what will the signs be? One of the ways I believe that we will be misled or people can be misled is when I live for signs. This sign or that sign or this sign. The key here is I live for Jesus every day of my life. I live by the word of God and as long as I live by the word of God, I won't get off. But oftentimes... People are so much more consumed with signs than they are with Jesus. That was the thing with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The couldn't sees and the wouldn't sees. They said, show us a sign. Remember what the Lord Jesus said when the coming of his second coming would be? He said, no man knows this. I don't know it. The angels don't know it. The only one that knows it is Jesus. So in a roundabout way, he's telling us here, focus on the word. Focus on me. The second thing he gets over to is don't be misled by people. There are going to be people that are going to come in the name of Jesus. But they're going to get you off. 
unless I live by the Word of God. That's why I encourage you, bring your Bible here, okay? Don't trust me. God's very clear in His Word. Let, man be, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't desire to lie. I pray that I speak the Word with accuracy. But I want you to see the Word. It's one of the greatest things you can do is when people start telling you crazy stuff, say, where's that found in the Bible? It's not found in the Bible. God's doing a new thing. You better get ready when you hear that stuff. This is a warning. The reason part of this is talking about this, we're entering those times. I know people, when there's great signs and wonders in another part of America, they pack up and move there. We got to go there. That's where God's moving. Well, you're not chasing God. You're chasing a sign. Do you not believe God can't move here? God will move here. He'll move here just like he'll move in Jerusalem. Same chapter, verse 11. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Who do you think false prophets are coming to? They're coming to Christians. And what's the deal with a false prophet? What will begin to happen more and more is they'll begin to tell you it's okay for you to live however you want. If it feels good, do it. It's okay to live with loose morals. It's all right. And people will buy in because Jesus' own word said right here, and will deceive many. What's the word say? Stay with the word of God. You know, right now there's teachings around the United States that ones are telling people there is no sin anymore. That when Jesus died, he took all the sin so you can do whatever you want because there is no sin anymore. I tend to disagree with that. I lived in sin. I know what a sinner's like. It's still real. And then there's ones that'll tell you there is no hell. Nobody's going to go to hell. Well, that's a great thought. But if that's true, then why did Jesus say over and over in the book of Revelations, when people go to hell, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth? And why did Jesus say that many will come to me and they will say, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And the Lord would look at them and say, depart from me. I don't know you. Chilling. But truthful. And here's another one. No choice in the matter. If you go to heaven, it's because God wanted you to go to heaven. If you go to hell, it's because God wanted you to go to hell. But I see over and over in the Bible what we've read today. That God is a God of choices. He gave Adam and Eve a choice in Genesis 3. When he said, don't eat from that tree. Right there was the beginning choice. It's the same with me and you and sin. You can choose to sin or you can choose to live righteous. But understand, there's a consequence. How about this one? I don't like to go to Faith Christian Family Church because every time I go there, I get convicted. You know what, guys? That's not me. That's the Word of God. Do you not think I get convicted? I get convicted and I love it because that's how much God loves me. Jesus himself said in John 16, verse 8, he said, I sent the Spirit into the world to convict the world of sin. And 
Sometimes I don't like it, but I realize God corrects. He convicts those he loves. And he said, listen, I don't want you to live in that arena. Why? The wage of sin is death. Keep reading. You say, we were talking about rebellion. How would you get over on this? I'm still on rebellion. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound. The word lawlessness there means wickedness. Wickedness will abound. Wickedness will magnify. Wickedness will get larger and larger and larger and larger. It's just going to keep abounding. We're seeing that right now. And there is a, a destructive disease that goes with lawlessness. You know what it is? Keep reading. And the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. That word love right there is the word we get agape for, which means the God kind of love. Do you know what this verse is telling me? The love of Christians will grow cold. John 14, 15, Jesus said this, If you love me, obey my commands. So right here when he said, the love of many will grow cold. You know what he's talking about? Christians will come to a place where they'll say, I don't have to obey anymore. I don't want to obey. Now there's a huge difference between having to obey and wanting to obey. I want to obey him. It's just like pleasing your mother and father. I want to please my mother and father. I wanted them to tell you, so we're so proud of you. And it's the same with Father God. He wants us to love Him. Not because I have, because I want to. I love to come to church. I love to read my Bible because I want to. Now look how he ends here in verse 13. But he who endures till the end shall be saved. If it doesn't matter how I lived, why did he say he who endures till the end shall be saved? Listen to what that word endure means there. It means to hold one's ground in conflict. It means to bear up against adversity. To hold out under stress and stand firm. To persevere under pressure. How many does that kind of describe in your life right now? Well, just hold on to the things of God. Keep living for Him. And you know what? He who endures till the end will be saved. But I can't get over and live rebellious to the things of God and think God's going to excuse it. God's not. You know what? You can always predict what God's going to do. Just read his word. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible said he cannot lie. The Bible says in Malachi 3, he does not change. He's always the same. So when I read my Bible and find out what God said I like and what God said I don't like, then that's how I got to live. I love what God loves and I hate what God hates. You know what he hates? Sin. You know why he hates sin? Because the wages of sin is death. He doesn't hate the sinner. He just hates sin. Thank you, Pastor. It's good. So what happens here? Every day becomes a choice. And the key is this, that when I do rebel against the things of God, Welcome his correction. Welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
and be a man or be a woman of God. And what I mean by that is when you blow it, step up to the plate and stand before Father God and say, Father God, today I sinned again for the hundredth time, the thousandth time, the millionth time. But I don't blame anybody. I take full responsibility for my choices, my actions, my behaviors, and my attitudes. Lord, I repent again. And I ask you to mercy me, and I ask you to grace me, to help me. I don't want to live that way. And you know what? He doesn't expect us to be perfect. But he wants us to strive to be perfect, to say, I'm going to live for you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.